0: playing ball again in 2021, specifically the Red Sox, but not the Boston Red Sox. First, the Cape Cod Baseball League's Yarmouth Dennis Red Sox.
1: We're playing baseball. Bottom line, we're playing baseball. Everybody was excited to get back into the swing of things and get the Cape League back on track. And the host families this year were absolutely incredible. However, came with the caveat that any player coming into a household would
2: have to be vaccinated.
0: Then, the newly relocated Worcester Red Sox of the International League.
2: It's been great to welcome fans into the park and see this place at full capacity and just hear the roar of the crowd and have sports Back. That The pandemic was a year and a half, but it felt like an eternity.
0: This is The Language of Business, a podcast to inform and inspire entrepreneurs, anyone thinking about a startup or anyone looking for a post-pandemic pivot. I'm executive producer Don Kelly. Our host is Greg Stoller, Harvard MBA and senior lecturer at Boston University Questrom School of Business. In this episode, we look at the reopening of the Red Sox after COVID protocol was lifted in May, but not the Boston Red Sox. Here's Greg Stoller.
3: Thanks, Don. One of the fun family things to enjoy on Cape Cod is catching a Cape Cod Baseball League game. The Cape League dates back to the 1800s, and it's the premier wood bat college summer league in America. One of every six players in the major leagues came from the Cape League, and that includes a lot of big names. Chris Sale, Aaron Judge, Walker Bueller, DJ LeMayhew, Jason Varitek. It's a long list. Like all sports, the Cape League was thrown a curveball by the pandemic. Even the 2021 season was in doubt right up until May. The most successful of the 10 Cape League teams over the past 30 years has been the Yarmouth Dennis Red Sox. We're here with Steve Foucher, YD general manager. And Steve, welcome to Language of Business. Thanks so much. How much of a challenge was it to put a team together for this year when there was no 2020 Cape League season and no 2020 NCAA season?
1: Well, it was difficult for us this year because we had to figure out how we were going to have a team that was able to perform here on the Cape with all of the COVID restrictions on top of it. Those variables right there made it a challenge because a, we didn't want anybody to get sick. So we figured out the way we were going to do this was we're going to bring all players in that were vaccinated and not bring in any players that weren't vaccinated. That presented challenges in itself because of the different states that these players are from. The COVID vaccinations,
3: different and varied from each state, so they weren't eligible in some states to get that vaccine. And there are college varsity players who are mostly around 20, right? And they're mostly
1: around 20, so they had to wait for the other demographics to get their shots first. We toyed with that for a while. And then on top of the thing, doing the coordination with Cape League and trying to figure out how we're going to keep everybody safe. Myself, the players, and the staff here. We started in March with those challenges. We are under the guidance of the state. The states in that time during the March and April period had us at a capacity of less than 200 people, which is really tough because Gift Card Baseball League is a nonprofit organization and we count on those fans to be here. That is our income resource. So we had that challenge. And we also had the distancing challenge of how we were going to serve our food and how they were going to buy souvenirs and things like that keeping everybody distanced. That itself presented the challenge, along with up here in the press box. 10 people in the press box, broadcasters, people from all over the country. How are we going to distance them and keep them safe also?
3: Certainly not six feet apart.
1: Certainly not six feet apart, not in our press box and probably not in any other press box. As the months went on, we had come up with COVID protocols and we have a great team of doctors in the Cape League that gave us a list of protocols for all the teams to follow. As the state eased its regulations, it made it a little bit easier for us here in the Cape League, where the stringency of distancing and all of those things started to fade away towards Memorial Day, which gave us a little bit of light, saying that we could be here
3: safely and we were able to bring the crowds in. So it's been a challenge all long. Was it tougher this year than in past recruiting players? Last year, none of them had a college season. None of them got to play on the Cape where there are always a lot of major league scouts looking for prospects to sign.
1: Well, aside from the plethora of players, because there was no play in 2020, and you really had a larger pool of players to pick from. But again, we were really focused on players who were vaccinated, and that was probably our biggest challenge. Many of the players hadn't been vaccinated and they had contracts. They were under contract with the Red Sox and other teams in the league. Getting them vaccinated in their home states and getting them here on the Cape and being able to stay with our host families was an incredible challenge.
3: Players who came to the Cape League live with host families. They're an older demographic, but how difficult was it finding host families this year? Believe it or not, this year the
1: host families have been terrific and for Yarmouth Dennis, it was probably one of the best years for host families. Everybody had missed baseball for an entire year. Everybody was excited to get back into the swing of things and get the Cape League back on track and the host families this year were absolutely incredible. However, came with the caveat that any player coming into a household would have to be vaccinated. So that was another challenge too but the host families this year have been wonderful and we have a waiting list so much so that we haven't had a waiting list in many, many years even in normal times. So I'd say the host families and thank goodness for them because we would not be able to exist without those host families. If all of our host families said, you know what, whether they're vaccinated vaccinated or not, we just don't feel comfortable. That could have
3: actually shut down the entire game. How has the fan reaction been this year compared to 2019?
1: fan reaction this year has been good. It's been busy here, beyond tennis, more so than in previous years. Again, because everybody was cooped up for a year, wanted to get out, so the fan interaction here has been wonderful, and we've had no issues with fans or
3: COVID, knock on wood. We've had no interruptions in baseball play this year. The Cape League wound up with a late start and a compressed season, no extra innings, no rain makeups, no double headers, and reduced playoff rounds. How much of a challenge was that for teams that would normally make the playoffs, but this year might not?
1: Well, back in March and April when we were actually making the schedule and going through the league protocols and the shortened season that we made it a challenge for all of us because this year the top two teams in each division are the only ones who are going to make the playoffs, which makes it more of a challenge for us as a team because we need to win early and consistent throughout the year. Normally in the Cape League, 8 out of 10 teams make it to the playoffs, but this year it's a little different. We're all struggling to find those top two spots here in the league.
3: In the past, the Cape League has used a point system like the N. NHL. Two points for a win, one for a tie, none for a loss. This year, it's winning percentage, and ties don't count. I understand that this summer, the YG Red Sox set an all-time Cape League record for the number of ties.
1: Yeah, another anomaly kind of year with the non-playing after nine innings, and all of these rules were derived early in April to keep everybody's distance as best as possible. I give kudos to the Cape League for sticking to their guns. They really wanted to protect this community, and they did not want to have an outbreak. We did not want to have a spreader of any of our ballparks and kudos to those guys and the team of doctors that really set this into motion. Not so good for baseball and the coaches and the players, they come here and they want to play baseball. They want to play 44 games, they want to go 10 innings. You know, ties ties are tough and like you said, we broke a record for ties this year and you really don't get a lot of points with ties. I wish that that part was changed, but I think we have done a great job this season. We're playing baseball. Bottom line, we're playing baseball. Let's hope that we don't
3: have to go through this again, for sure. Thanks, Steve. You're welcome, thanks so much. Steve Foucher, General Manager of the Yarmouth Dennis Red Sox of the Cape Cod League. Don, back to you.
0: Thanks, Greg. Next up, we look at the Boston Red Sox AAA affiliate, the Worcester Red Sox. Just this season, the franchise relocated from old McCoy Stadium in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, and built a brand new state-of-the-art ballpark in downtown Worcester, Massachusetts, when the language of business continues. I didn't even realize what it
1: meant to be in a top-tier business school until my first day.
3: The curriculum at Questrom is really helpful because you get to not only study the basics of business, such as accounting or marketing, but you really get to dive further in and to see applications of the health sector and how business applies to sustainability efforts around the world.
2: They really want us to kind of focus it on four emerging areas, and those areas were healthcare, security, sustainability, and technology, those are really where the jobs are going to be. They really want us to come out from the Questrom School of Business and be able to work in any
0: area of the industry. Interested? Go to bu.edu slash Questrom. The need for a new ballpark, combined with local resistance to replacing the old one, forced the Pawtucket Red Sox of the past 50 years to move. They're now the Worcester Red Sox. After no minor league season in 2020, they're back in action in 2021 at brand spanking new Polar Park. Back to Greg Stoller.
2: Thanks, Don.
3: We welcome to the Language of Business, Vice President of Baseball Operations and Community Relations for the Worcester Red Sox, Joe Bradley.
2: Thanks for having me, happy to be here.
3: Joe, how are people reacting to the new ballpark?
2: city of Worcester has just been absolutely great and the ovation that we've received from Worcester from the moment that we relocated here and the entire process from 2018 on when we announced that we would be leaving Pawtucket has just been outstanding and we're so happy to now be rocking and rolling and we can't wait to continue to welcome fans to Polar Park all summer long. I think for all of us it's just great to hear that roar of the crowd and have sports back and see people excited and standing on their feet and cheering for home runs. That The pandemic a year and a half, but it felt like an eternity. And so to finally be able to see fans and see this place Rocking is really quite something and it's special for all of us. The Red
3: Sox resided in Pawtucket for 50 years. Now in Worcester, what changes has
2: the team made? Pawtucket was our home for 50 years. It was one of the most long-standing affiliations in all of AAA. And certainly when you call a city home for that long, leaving isn't easy. When Larry Lachino bought the team with our group of owners in 2015, we spent the following three years trying to keep the team in Rhode Island. And we really didn't think that Worcester was going to be a possibility until we we got a little further along in the process. We couldn't be happier to be playing baseball here at Polar Park. We are keeping our Paw Sox Foundation active and using that as a vehicle to still support some of the long-time relationships that we have in Rhode Island with community organizations like the Boys and Girls Club of Pawtucket, the Tomorrow Fund. Even at Polar Park here, we're recognizing a lot of Rhode Island veterans as a part of our In Debt to a Vet program where we salute vets at every Woo Sox home game. So we're doing what we can to maintain those ties in Rhode Island that you said was our home for 50 years. Now in Worcester, what changes has the team made? It's been great to welcome fans into the park and see this place at full capacity and just hear the roar of the crowd. We've had Worcester Public School students here on weeknights where we've donated thousands of tickets to students in the Worcester Public Schools. These past couple nights, it's been great to hear you know the roar of kids, but just in general, I think for all of us, it's just great to hear that roar of the crowd and have sports back and see people excited and standing on their feet and cheering for home runs. That The pandemic is a year and a half, but it felt like an eternity. And so to finally be able to see fans and see this place rocking is really quite something and it's special for all of us.
3: Did ticket sales live up to your expectations and what do you foresee moving forward?
2: Yeah, they certainly did. I mean, we have 2,200 season ticket holders in Worcester and our waitlist at the moment, 400 people on that wait list. Just to give you a sense, in Pawtucket, I think the most season ticket holders we ever had, even when Pawtucket was sort of in its heyday in 2007, 2008, some of the most successful years that we ever had. And even in those years, I don't think that we were ever north of 1,000 season ticket holders. So the reception that we've seen from everybody in Central Mass and everybody in this region has just been outstanding. And that's certainly been an aspect of this whole process that has us all really excited.
3: Currently who are wearing masks and has that changed because of the Delta variant? For example, fans, your employees, coaches, perhaps umpires?
2: We are encouraging those who are not fully vaccinated to still wear masks. And those fans who are vaccinated are welcome to enjoy the game and enjoy the festivities without wearing a mask. There are still some procedures and guidance in place for Major League Baseball for our players. Our players still have to follow some tight restrictions for things like interviews, But to begin the season, media was pretty much strictly via Zoom, and and only recently were we allowed to welcome them onto the field for things like batting practice and things that we're typically accustomed to.
3: Did you have to make any adjustments with concessions or merchandise over the summer
2: anytime that you change cities and have to come up with new branding and relocate a team and you've got new logos and things like that you're not exactly quite sure how all that is going to be received but our merchandise store is slammed absolutely every night i just talked to cat burns who's our director of merchandise and brooke cooper who's our vp of marketing and they are just slammed so that's really been great to see And I think a lot of people in Worcester want to show that pride. That's why we're seeing some of the success that we're seeing off the bat.
3: Has the T's commuter rail schedule had to make any adjustments during the home games in Worcester?
2: If you're taking the commuter rail from Boston and you come to Worcester, you can see Union Station off in the distance there. It's only an eight minute walk from the ballpark, which I think is just a real plus and adds a whole nother level of convenience to the fan experience.
3: How did other minor league teams fare during the pandemic?
2: Oh, it was a challenge. I can't speak for other clubs, but I will say that there were certainly clubs who they were not in the same situation as we were. If you had told me going into our 2020 season in the winter that our entire season would be canceled due to a global pandemic and that our staff would be running a outdoor dining operation at McCoy Stadium in Pawtucket in the outfield, I would have told you that you were crazy. But that's exactly what we did. We staffed it with pretty much our entire full-time operation. We're very grateful to our entire ownership group for keeping us together during the pandemic and not having any furloughs or layoffs or things like that. We put 40 tables, sometimes more, in the outfield at McCoy Stadium. We did that just about every weekend last summer to help us stay afloat and bring in revenue. There's no question that the pandemic really took a toll on us, but we're grateful to Larry Laquino, our entire ownership group, for keeping us all together during what was a very difficult time
3: it's impressive that Worcester had no furloughs.
2: And we were also in a position where we were moving to a new city and we had a new ballpark to build and getting this place open and seeing the crowd here, this place at 100% capacity, I couldn't be more proud of my colleagues, our staff, our owners, everybody that got us to this point. We're all just so grateful to be playing ball here.
3: Joe, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Joe Bradley, Vice President of Baseball Operations and Community Relations for the Worcester Red Sox. Don, back to you.
0: Thanks, Greg. And that's part one of our look at sports reopening in the next episode we'll look at the reopening of college sports specifically rowing and track and field support for the language of business is from boston university questrom school of business we now have downloads in 77 countries and 42 states plus dc we appreciate the support if you like our podcast please mention it to someone and subscribe The Language of Business is available wherever you get podcasts, or ask Alexa. Our social media is by Jennifer Powell of the Excellent Writers Group. Music by Randy Barth of Walsui Media. Consulting producer, Helen Tierney of Happy Accident Productions. Direction, audio editing, and voiceover by yours truly. Special thanks to Mike Carruthers of SomethingYouShouldKnow.net. For Greg Stoller and the entire team, I'm Don Kelly. Thanks for listening to The Language of Business.